1: hey now you're an all-star. get your game on go play hey ladies now, and gentlemen I welcome start, back to setting the pace we have episode 27 i am mike focci joined by alex golden as always alex when it comes to number 27 what
2: kind of pacers uh, come to mind for you well there, there's two that come in mind but i did some research there are four players that have worn number 27 in pacers history can you give me the four
1: um, Off the top, I know my main
2: man who came on the show earlier this year, Jordan Hill. That's it. Uh, some people might forget about his short stint here was Primo's Brezik. He was taken Ooh, yeah. in, in the expansion draft by the Charlotte Bobcats back in 2004. Uh, back in the 90s, we had a guy by the name of Dwayne Farrell. And back in 1979, Kevin Stakem, also our number 27 for the Pacers. But let's tell the people about number 20 who we're having on. The episode for today.
1: You guys are definitely going to enjoy this interview. We had Trevor Booker on the show giving his keys to being able to beat Boston in game two and steal home court. Some very valuable insight coming from Trevor and uh, also talking about what's ahead in his career. Alex, what can the viewers look forward to in this episode?
2: A lot of fun stuff. Trevor Booker goes down memory lane a little bit from last year's season talks about last year's series against the Cavaliers talks about Lance Stevenson and the energy he brought to the team he also talks about those great shoes that he had Kier Thomas make and we we got a little bit into him and Jordan Hill being cousins like you talked about on your podcast podcast with Jordan Hill a couple episodes ago he kind of goes into it a little bit as well so yeah just some really fun insight as long as uh, along with just great you know insight on the pacers and Celtics for this series.
1: Guys, there is nobody better to tell you how to beat Boston than Trevor Booker, who was literally on this Pacers team last year playing for Coach McMillan. So you'll enjoy this one.
2: Oh, yeah, and also i got to throw this in. He talks a little bit about the player he thinks has improved the most from last year to this year. So you have to listen for that because that was an awesome, awesome take. So, All right, guys, we'll get out of the way. Hope you guys enjoy today's episode with the one and only Trevor Booker.
1: Ladies and gentlemen of Setting the Pace, I would like to introduce you to Trevor Booker. Trevor, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. Trevor, I am a big fan of not only your career, but also your time in Indiana. So, thanks a lot for coming on.
3: Yeah, no problem.
2: So, Trevor, we're also joined by my co-host, Alex. Alex, would you want to kick this off? Yeah, sure thing. So, Trevor, I guess just to kind of get a quick breakdown from you, uh, game one, obviously, the third quarter was what everybody keeps talking about. Pacers go two for 19. What did you see in that quarter right there that you thought the Pacers could, you know, maybe just besides making shots, work on to maybe try to come out a little bit stronger in third quarters? Because they've struggled this year, uh, especially recently, coming out flat in third quarters. What can they do to change that?
3: Um. Well, honestly, I think, you know, their game is just their initial shots. And that led to, um, you know, a Boston uh, Celtics win, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It was unfortunate because, you know, the Pacers, they've been playing great all year. You know, even without their, you know, their best player, they still held it down. And, you know, they still gave themselves a chance to um, make a a nice playoff run. Um, You know, they're playing a Boston Celtics team that, you know, maybe, you know, arguably has the most talent in the NBA. Um, but you just never know what you're gonna get from that team. Um, so I think it'll be a fun series just, you know, with Boston being such a, a great group of talent and, you know, Indiana being a the great team that they are, you know, just they just have so many weapons and they play, you know, well with each other and you know, they, they have not figured out. Uh they're just missing they're missing a key ingredient in big
1: you know, you, you really touched on it where this Boston team is so talented, and that key ingredient is a big one because without Victor Oladipo, I mean, it's it's tough going into this series. Boston is just so athletic, and when the Pacers come out only scoring 74 points, can you really just tell the audience what it means to go into battle against Boston without Victor Oladipo?
3: Um, it's tough, you know. You're you definitely going to have to be on your game, especially, you know, in the playoffs. You know, um, the, the talent level, you know, it really comes out in the playoffs. And, you know, all teams play hard because they know if they don't, you know, they're going home. So, just to play somebody, you know, that's that talented, um, you know, it, it's going to be tough without your best player. Uh, but Indiana, you know, if anybody can figure it out, is Indiana. They play it well, you know, all, all season, like I said. Um, and, and they're definitely not going to back down. They're going to give uh, the Celtics a fight.
2: I want to ask you a little bit about coach Nate McMillan. There's um, a lot of people have just been like in shock with how well he's done with this team, especially without Victor and for playing, playing for him last season, what kind of adjustments do you think he'll make heading into game two?
3: Um, I'm really not sure. You know, they, they didn't shoot the ball too well, especially the third quarter. Um, so I don't, I don't think they need to panic and, you know, change too much. um, but, you know, I'm not sure what adjustments that they would be looking to make. But I, I think, you know, Coach McGillan, he, he'll figure it out. He's done a great job all season, you know, of, of doing that and putting the right players in the right spot. Uh-huh. Um, and big hats off to uh, to KP and Chad, you know, for putting the, the best players, you know, on their roster uh, for Coach Nate to have, you know, to pick and choose from, to put on the floor. Right. Hey,
1: you know, you, you touched on Coach McMillan, but what is McMillan's style like in regards to motivating the team in a huddle or in the locker room during halftime? Because Pacers are going to need to come out of halftime pretty hard. What's his style like with the team?
3: Uh, Coach, he, he's pretty laid back, you know. He, um, he's one, you know, who trusts his players, you know, especially if you're out there on the court. He really trusts you, and that goes a long way with the players uh you know he's a he's a players coach he really you know he played the game so he understands you know everything he understands your mindset and you know he he really relates to the players and they help the team out a lot and i think that's one of the biggest reasons why they're successful
2: now i know you weren't with the team for the whole season last year but you got to spend a good amount of time with them in that playoff run against cleveland and just looking at the guys you played with last year who would you say has developed the most out of the guys from last year's core to this year's team
3: um, I'm really impressed with, uh, with with Sabonis, Doma Sabonis. Uh, I think he really, you know, took big strides from last year. You know, he was a good player last year, but this year, you know, he really came on strong. And, uh, you know, I'm really, you know, pleased with his development and his growth. Um, you know, even though T.J. Leaf hasn't, you know, seen the amount of time that I'm sure he would like, you know, I, I watched him late, you know, and, He's, I think he's going to be a special player in this league.
1: I thought uh, T.J. Leaf had a great game against the Hawks recently. He had twenty-eight and ten, his first career double-double. So we finally got to see him in extended minutes. So uh, I'm hoping that that you're you're correct with that. I think he just needs more of a chance. But I was curious. I mean, because this is right where we're missing you in the playoff series because. Boston has the size. I mean, they have athletic wings. They have guys like Al Horford and Aaron Baines who just continue to rebound and defend very well. How can this Pacer team compete with that size and get more physical?
3: Um, They just got to go out there and, you know, play with heart. That's what it boils down to. Sometimes you may be, you know, outmanned, outmatched. But if you go out there and play with your heart, you know, the the impossible can happen you know that's something that you know that i do when i go out there a lot of people say that i'm undersized and um and whatnot but you know your fight determines a lot and that's what they have to go out there and do go out there be physical aggressive and it really set the tone early
2: you you mentioned that you know that chad and those guys have done a good job adding pieces to the team and one of the pieces we saw added late in a buyout was Wesley Matthews, and Wesley Matthews was inserted into the starting lineup, and that's kind of a tall task to ask somebody, especially this far along into the season. What have you seen from Wesley with the Pacers so far?
3: Um, you know, I, I, I've seen what, exactly what I expected from Wesley. You know, he's a, a greedy bet. You know, he gets the game. He knows the game well. Um, you know, he's, he's out there grinding every night. You know what it takes to, to succeed and, you know, and, and took the team to their next level. So I think it was a huge pickup for the Pacers. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that are, that's going to go out there and be a leader. He's going um, to start on the defensive end for him. But, you know, at the same time, he can knock down the three-pointer. And, you know, he can get the people's skin. He has what it takes, and he fits right in, you know, perfectly with the Pacers.
1: Trevor, I'm hoping that you could put an end to this argument because – A big argument amongst Pacer fans is can DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner play well together? Is it sustainable or is this a lineup where featuring two true bigs is more of a thing of the past?
3: Yeah, I definitely think they can, you know, uh, get it together and play together. Um, You know, we probably just need to see it a little bit more. The reason why I say I think, you know, they can mesh well together is because, you know, DeMontis is one of the best rollers, you know, in the game, pick and roll players. Uh, in the game. Um, and Miles, you know, he's a stretch big. So I, I think, you know, eventually it could work out. Um, you just need to sit a little bit more on the, on the court. They just probably have to get a little bit more comfortable with each other. Um, you know, but there are two different players. Uh, Miles is more, you know, a defensive specialist than a shooter. And, you know, Domas is, you know, a great pick-and-roll player, which can open up the floor for Miles to shoot his shirt shot. And Miles can open up the floor for Domas's role, so I, I think they could, you know, eventually, you know, mess well together.
2: Yeah, and Domas is up for an extension this summer. They might push it off till next season's uh, off season. But if they do extend him, do you expect both those guys to start? Because if you extend somebody and pay them a good amount of money, most of the time they're not going to be happy coming off the bench. So do you do you foresee the Pacers uh, playing both of them together in that starting power forward center position?
3: Well, I think if you pay him the right number, he, will, he wouldn't mind, you know, coming off the bench or starting, you know. I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, all about the dollar figure. But at the same time, I really think it depends on, you know, if they uh, plan to keep Thaddeus Young um, next year. I think he's an upcoming free agent also. Mm-hmm. So I think it really depends on what they expect to do with him. And, you know, even if they, you know, do keep Thaddeus and, and pay him, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do, you know, who they start, uh, Moss or or Thaddeus.
1: You know, that that is, the Pacers have a lot of questions to answer this offseason in regards to free agency. Uh, But Trevor, you know, you play with most of this Pacers group. What can the Pacers do to kind of put Boyana and Miles in the best situation possible to be the most effective possible? Because after kind of a a rough and quiet game one, the Pacers need these two to, to really be effective in game two. What can we expect Nate to do to kinda of get these guys in the right position?
3: Uh honestly I don't I don't expect him to do anything. I think it's on uh on uh bogey and Miles, you know, I I think they understand um, you know, what happened game one. So as a player you just gotta come out with a different mindset and you know, realize that, you know, things happen, you're not gonna play your best every game. Um, you know, but I'm sure they will come out with a different mindset the next game.
1: So, Trevor, you know, man, the last year, I, I got to give you guys credit because that Pacers team really pushed LeBron to the edge in Game 7, a hard-fought series. How badly did you and that Pacers group want to be the one to dethrone LeBron in the East and move on?
3: Oh, yeah, we, we, we really felt like that we could win that series, you know, going into that series. You know, a lot of people picked us to lose um, in four games. You know, one guy even said three games, you know, trying to be funny. Yeah, uh, I nobody, remember nobody that. Seen the series go- yeah, nobody's seen the series going seven games. Uh, but if you, if you watch that team, you know, um, all year alone, they would understand, uh, you know, that we were a, a, a battle, a team that, you know, battles and a team that's about grit and that, that doesn't give up. And then we were going to go out there and fight, um, but you know, not too many people gave us a chance, and you know, we didn't. We didn't like it. Uh, we took that onto the court and made the most out of it. Um, I felt like you know we still should have won that series, uh, but we we almost had it. We fought. We fought our butts off.
2: Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit more about last year, just because it was such a fun ride, and I think it got Pacers fans excited for the upcoming seasons just because this was a new team, especially with Paul George requesting a trade last year, and then Oladipo and Sabonis just stepping in and making this the playoff team and a a really competitive team as well. One of the guys that fans loved, and he's no longer with the team, is Lance Stevenson. Uh, Number one, I don't know if you have any, but if you can give me a funny Lance story, that'd be great. And then number two, uh, just looking at this Pacers team, do you think they missed his energy at all off the bench this year?
3: Oh yeah, they definitely missed his energy, you know. Lance, he's, um, you know, a lot of people may, may think he's crazy, but that's just how, you know, he spikes himself up, mm-hmm. um, you know, get him get himself ready to play, uh, you know, get himself going uh, in the games. Uh, a lot of people find it, you know, very entertaining. So it, it actually, you know, sells tickets. But at the same time, it gets him going and it gets the team going, you know, especially when he gets going on the court and start making shots. And you can see that energy, you know, just go across the team. Um, you know, I don't have many funny uh, land stories. He's just a, a great guy to be around, but at the same time, he's a, a he's definitely a character
2: <laughs> for sure.
1: So, Trevor, I- I'm kind of seeing right now a trend in the NBA where the headband is making a major comeback, and I feel that it is only right to pay respects to you as one of the OG headband guys in the NBA. That was something that was always your move. Is it just me, or, or have you always been kind of rocking the headband?
3: Yeah, I, I rocked it for the last uh, couple of years. Um, no, They have a different kind of headband now, you know, since mm-hmm. I left. The, uh, they got the, the Roger Federer going on. <laughs> do you like, so, do you like it, that? <laughs> um, it's okay. <laughs> I, it, it, mm, some people can rock it better than others. It's um, not your style. I, I like the traditional red. Yeah. yeah. It's not my style. I, I go with the traditional. For
1: sure. Right, well, for sure.
2: I got to talk to you about these shoes last year that you got Kixcher to make for you. The Reggie Miller choke sign. Those those shoes were unbelievable. What inspired you to get those shoes and do you still have them?
3: I actually uh, auctioned those shoes off uh, for charity. Oh,
2: awesome. Um,
3: the Pacers, Respect. yeah, they, they auctioned them off for me. Um, I was just thinking, you know, I had a relationship with Kick Sedamus, and I was thinking, well, we both were thinking, you know, what could I put on shoes for the playoffs that would be pretty dope? And I was just thinking, 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 and then you know, I I thought about iconic players uh, from the past, and Reggie Miller came up, and that's the first thought that came into my head. So I just had him put it on the shoe. It's pretty
2: dope. That's awesome. Uh,
1: It was. Those were definitely uh, those caught the eyes of many people to start uh, to start the playoffs last year, but. I had your cousin Jordan Hill on the show earlier this year, and he was telling me a little bit about those backyard battles that you guys had growing up in basketball. Said that you were kind of the one who introduced him, but I want to hear about it from you. What were those battles like growing up on the court? Backyard, I to oh, say.
3: Just a typical competition, you know. We lived in the country, so deep in the country. So we had to make our own entertainment, and fortunate enough, we had a, a basketball um, court, you know, right in the backyard. So, you know, we would go outside and, you know, have dunk contests. We would play, you know, one-on-one. You know, my brothers were out there. We played two-on-two. Um, and, you know, sometimes the older kids, when we were like probably like uh, 12 or 13, the older guys, probably like 19, 20 years old, used to come use that court, and they would let us play because we were, you know, tall, and we were, you know, better than half of those guys. So it was always fun, but at the same time, you know, it was definitely a competition. We tried to, you know, beat the mess out of each other.
2: (laughs) That's fantastic. So, yeah, okay, so let me ask you, we've talked a lot about the Pacers, but Trevor Booker, what are you doing right now to just with your career? I mean, are you officially retired or are you still working out, ready to join the team maybe next season?
3: Oh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely not retired. I got a lot left. Um, I'm still working out, you know, I had a, a injury, a turtle injury this year. Uh, it set me back a little, um, you know, but I'm feeling good right now and I'm, I'm back on the court. I'm getting back in shape and I'm looking to, you know, make a, a major comeback next year.
2: Was, was there any interest from the Pacers to bring you back at all? Or was it just kind of, we're going to move on. I just, I just didn't know.
3: No, it was definitely interest. I had, you know, a, a good bit of interest, you know, after I came back from China, um, you know, but I had to get healthy first. So that was the main issue. Uh, but I definitely had a lot of interest. Uh, so I'm expecting, you know, the same amount of interest, you know, in free agency coming up in July.
2: Awesome,
1: awesome. So with that, would we say that the foot is fully healed and going in the off season? You're going to be ready to rock because we miss you out there and we could definitely use you yes. in a series like
3: this. Yeah, I'll definitely be, out, be back out there. Y'all will see me back out there soon, for sure.
1: Definitely looking forward to that. Hey, Trevor, tell us where we can find you and keep up with you on uh, social media because, like I said, we miss you and we want to know uh, every step of the way on this NBA comeback.
3: Yeah, you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at the same name, 35 underscore
2: F-I-T-Z. Okay, what's the meaning behind that?
3: Um, Well, 35 has always been my number, mm-hmm. and my middle name is Fitzgerald. So, 35. 35- there it is.
2: Awesome. I just yep. like I just like to figure it out because it's not like Trevor Booker or anything like that. So I didn't know if there was any significant meaning to it. So that's awesome, man.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, Trevor, I, it was awesome talking with you.
1: And uh, once again, we'll be keeping taps on the comeback. But from uh, your your fans over here at Setting the Pace, it's been a pleasure.
3: I
2: appreciate it, guys. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for another episode of Setting the Pace. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Pace 3 You can follow our co-host, Tyler Smith, who's not with us on today's episode, at Smith underscore ISL. You can follow the great Mike Fachi on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review to all of our great podcasts on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. And if you can't check it out there, go to Spreaker.com backslash Setting the pace, or type in my name, Alex Cole, and you can find the podcast there. And until next time, we'll talk to you later, Pacer Mason. Peace out. Let's go, Pacers.